Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi everybody, and welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're here today with Spring, and sadly no Andrew, because, well, our technology wasn't quite cooperating today, but <laughs> we have a special guest with us today, Shay Harmon, who I'm going to introduce in a second, but let's get them to say hello. Hi, Shay. Hey. <laughs> so good to have you here. Thanks for having me. So Shay is a sexologist in training, studying at the Contemporary Institute of Clinical Sexology in London. London. What does that mean, Shay? What are you studying? Essentially, I'm studying to be a sex therapist. Um, but today, we are going to talk about some transgender, some gender non-conforming, some non-binary issues. And we get a lot of questions about this and about all of these kind of interrelated topics. And so we thought that we would have an expert in many ways come talk to us today. And so I would like you to introduce yourself and tell us um, what your pronouns are and anything else you just want to share in your intro with us. Cool. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm Shay Harmon. And as you said, I am a trainee at the Clinical Institute, uh, Contemporary Institute of Clinical Sexology. Um, I'm based in London. My pronouns are they, them. And my goals kind of going forward are to make sex therapy more inclusive for gender non-conforming people. So anybody who might be trans or non-binary, agender, gender queer, um, gender fluid, or people who don't identify with gender at all. So I'm working very hard to try and change up the way that um, trainings happen and the way that we kind of do sex therapy with clients, but also understanding of trans bodies and what happens with them. Um, and then also really tapping into the idea of queer joy and queer pleasure and focusing on trans pleasure. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that there is so much discourse around trans bodies right now that we kind of forget. Um, and, and for the purpose of this podcast, I am going to use trans and non-binary um, probably interchangeably. However, they're, they, can, they sometimes are interchangeable, they sometimes are not. 
non-binary kind of sits underneath the umbrella of trans, but some people identify as non-binary without being trans. Uh, so it's whatever anybody wants to be, they can be. But for the purpose of this, I'm, I mean, like gender diverse people, I'll probably say trans, I'll probably say non-binary. Um, so your question was, what is trans pleasure? And as I was saying, so the um, our bodies are so medicalized and we get a lot of um, we have a lot of issues with access to health care. We have a lot of issues uh, to access to hormones, to surgeries, to physical transition and also with mental health as well. And I think that we really struggle to tap into our own pleasure. And I want to help more people do that. Um, sexually and out you know it doesn't have to be sexually it's uh, kind of finding yourself and your place um, in your identity and and what makes you happy Mm, yeah so um, since there's like so many changes happening and if somebody is going through some type of transition then it sounds like the focus gets lost on pleasure on joy on these other things and they're the all the focus becomes about these transition things is that what you're saying yeah yeah definitely it becomes more about the transition itself and less about that that these are actual human beings in the uk there's a huge discourse right now um about trans rights and about banning conversion therapy for trans people and um it a lot of the time it doesn't feel like we have ownership over our own bodies. Mm-hmm. It's in the discourse of the public. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think taking that ownership back is really important and, and tapping into um, how we feel pleasure and where we find happiness um, within our community and within ourselves is probably one of the most important things that I want to kind of help yeah. level the play- playing field on, and especially in sex therapy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, so many people have trouble focusing on and finding their own pleasure. And um, I'm so happy that you're choosing to make this a priority for non-binary people. I think that's so exciting. Um, And I mean, you talked a little bit, um, you referenced yourself as non-binary, including yourself in this group, and you said your pronouns are they, them. Um, Can you talk to us about what your identity is and how you identify in this world? Yeah, um, I tend to identify mostly as trans, masculine, non-binary, queer, or genderqueer. Um, And those all kind of mean different things to me. Um, Trans to me is that I just don't identify with my um, assigned gender at birth. Um, Non-binary kind of means that I don't really feel like I fit on the spectrum of, or on the binary of of man or woman. I feel somewhere, not even necessarily in between, but somewhere outside of it. Gender queer is just, I just really like that word. Um, it, I think it really expresses a lot, but it's kind of less common. So for a sort of my public profile and stuff, I tend to say trans non-binary. And I say trans masculine because I don't necessarily want to reject my femininity, but I really am enjoying leaning into my masculinity right now. Mm. 
And I think that's one of the things that I like to talk about a lot is that um, identity and, and gender or not even identifying with gender is it's a fluid experience and it can change over time. So not everybody has to identify, you know, as they do right now forever. Mm. And I think that's the same with sexuality as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, um, there's a lot of areas of in our lives that we are fluid and that, you know, even if we don't have experience with gender being fluid personally, we can understand that, you know, romantically we might feel different ways of different times and want to be in a very serious relationship or we might to be want to be in a very casual relationship and so like these you know desires that we can identify with might be fluid and so i think you know people might not be able to understand the gender fluidity but maybe if they can think about other aspects of their lives where things that they identify with are fluid that might help them to kind of think about, oh yeah, I could understand how that might change over time also. And um, so speaking about this, like changing over time, I have this next question on my list, which I'm afraid to ask you because I'm going to tell our listeners that Shay in advance told me they didn't like this question. And now I'm like nervous to even say it. But I'm going to say it so that they could they could tell me why it's a bad question. So I want to know if you're willing to share with us about your transition, about how you've been changing over time. Yeah, so I don't love this question, I think, because of some of the reasons I said before, because of the medicalization of bodies and the public discourse that anyone who is sort of cisgendered can ask someone about their transition, I think it's probably comparable to asking someone, you know, how's menopause? How's the menopause going? Or like, how's your erectile dysfunction? Like, it's really focusing on that, on some kind of process. And while that process is part of me, um, I'd much rather people ask me how I'm feeling. Um, And some people are fine with it and some people are fine with self-disclosure but I think a lot of the times we feel almost like we have to answer these questions Mm. um because we're because we I I don't I I don't want to portray trans as being a universal experience because it's definitely not so but I feel like a lot of us when we're asked these questions we feel like we almost have to answer them to validate our own existence as human Mm. beings in the eyes of other people um and I think that people especially people who are not even physically transitioning might get these asked these questions and i think that it makes it could potentially make them feel less legitimate uh, Mm. in their own identities Mm. um so i would focus on questions like you know how how are you feeling what's going on for you what's challenging for you right now you know and and just not ask them directly about their transition and i think a lot of people will share what they want to share for instance, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I do share some of the things that go on for me there. Um, Spring already follows me, so she knows. <laughs> but listeners, if you want to know, I do reveal some stuff there, but that's the stuff that I am personally comfortable revealing. Um, so yeah, so I don't I don't love that question. Thank you. Um, thank you for telling us that. And thank you for... Um, helping us understand also like how how invasive something like that could be and you know I think 
a lot of us don't realize if we're not um, non-binary, if we're not genderqueer, how invasive that question could feel. And probably some people think they're being supportive and asking a question like that, right? So um, I love the alternatives that you gave like okay you know if you want to be supportive great ask somebody how they're doing ask them you know how their day is like how can you be supportive in other ways and um and you know i think that when we think about transitioning that's i love also what you said about many people aren't transitioning right and so asking that question can also be really fucking rude right like like okay like that's not part of my life at all why are you putting that on me right um, or because there's not enough access to healthcare, it might be triggering for them because maybe mm. they want to transition physically mm. but they don't have access to it and mm. and then um you're kind of bringing that out into the open and if you're not ready to support a conversation around that with somebody mm. that could come as a surprise especially if it's kind of like a small talk yeah thing that yeah. you're asking someone about yeah. And yeah, t- totally. People, there are lots of people who don't want to transition. Right. Yeah. They want to. They they like who they are and what their bodies look like and everything like that. They just want to change their pronouns and identify as, you know, non-binary or trans or or whatever. And that's totally a legitimate way to be trans as yeah. well or non-binary or gender diverse or blah, 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 all the things. <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so I want to get into some of your expertise in just one second. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, and Shay's going to tell us um, a lot of advice, a lot of tips, and I'm so excited. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here talking to Shay. Shay is going to share some amazing advice with us. Don't don't feel pressured. Uh, <laughs> so my next question is, um, what tips, what advice, what kind of tricks do you have for other non-binary, genderqueer, dot, dot, dot people when it comes to sex? So as I said before, we definitely do not um, involve these bodies enough in conversations and especially around sex and pleasure. And so um, these tips, they're kind of, they're, they're based on what I think would help trans bodies and trans people. Um, But they actually could apply to anybody, I think, Um, if, and they are, and they do, they are used in different ways in different situations um, in various sex therapy settings, um, and just normal, like mindfulness type of settings as well. Right. So like mindfulness has been shown to be very effective for a lot of things. Mm. And, um, I think it's a very good way to tap into pleasure. Um, so my first kind of tip is to think about the language that you want to use around your body. If you are a trans human being or a non-binary human being, um, it's really important, I think, to, to sort of be in touch with um, what you want to call things. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a trans human myself, I have various sort of ideas around different body parts and what I want to call them. And they don't necessarily have to be like the body parts that you are assigned like are called when you're assigned at birth right Mm -hmm. so i was born uh afab assigned female at birth and so 
Um, I've been told I have a, a clitoris, a vagina, a vulva, all those things, but I don't have to call them that. Um, and I think that our relationships with our bodies can be really confusing. Um, whether you go and have surgery or whether you choose to go on hormones and with barriers to accessing gender affirming care um, the constant hate, objectification, the infantilation, infantile, I don't know how to, however you say that word, Infant, infantilization. Infantilization. Yeah. I can't say anything. Um, don't worry. Okay, great, great. We're in this together. Um, it can make us feel really like shut out of our own pleasure. Mm. And I think that reclaiming some of that is by thinking about our bodies um, and coming up with language that we're comfortable with. And a lot, you know, lots of trans people, whether they're, no matter what gender they are, might call what they have down there, you know, a clit or a dick. Like, yeah. Um, and so you don't have to use the language that you've been told that you have to use. Mm. And you can practice saying it, you can practice different things, and it can also change. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's a great zine um, called Fucking Trans Women um that got it i think it came out in like the 90s maybe earlier and it talks all about uh trans women and talks a lot around what they call what they might prefer to call their genitalia and it's really really interesting um and it, there's just like these tiny sort of subcultural pockets of people having conversations around this stuff but in sort of the wider world no like people don't talk about this and mm. um, so one of the resources that i've been trying to push is something for healthcare workers when they're talking to people about their sexual health to um, expand the language around what they're using to mm -hmm. call people's um parts yeah um, and yeah i think it's it's really important to ask people when they go into a room because sometimes using the term clit or vagina might be or penis might be triggering yeah yeah it might it might be dysphoric yeah you know i i can identify with that in a way i have like a long history of disordered eating and eating disorders and you know i used to feel like really upset when somebody might say the word like put your hands on your belly or something like in a yoga class or something like it would immediately take me to a place of my belly is too big I feel uncomfortable in my body I hate my body and like it it would immediately put me in a totally different place right and it's just the use of that word it's not even um it doesn't even have to be necessarily like in when we're talking about these words for genitals or sexual body parts or any body parts, right? Um, it doesn't have to be even in a sexual situation, right? It can really right. just send you to a place of discomfort. And, um, and yeah, I think that I love this tip of thinking about um, how you want to refer to your body, what what these words are, what these phrases are, and then yeah, practice using them for sure. Because that if you just think about it and you name them and you don't like start to put it in sentences, then it's not going to like flow. It's not going to come out right. So how could we practice using them? Like, what would you do that with friends, or would you? How would you think about that? Yeah, you could. Um, 
what I have done is looked at diagrams of things and kind of crossed out the names mm. and I found that really empowering crossing out the old names and putting like my own names or someone's like new like what they want to call it on there practicing with your partner practicing with yourself and um, if you're into self-touch um kind of saying it out loud when you're when you're doing that kind of practice can be really helpful I think just in embodying it and owning it um and then yeah I think um, talking to friends and partners around it as well and kind of normalizing it um, mm. for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, what other tips do you have for us? Um, tip number two. <laughs> uh, you have like a little <laughs> song or something. Tip number two. Tip number two. <laughs> tip number two. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I think that one of the uh, one a really important thing that trans and non-binary etc etc people can do is to undo think about think about the scripts that we have about gender. So thinking about how thinking about what we've been taught, thinking about especially sort of heteronormativity and where our shame in our identity sits within the sort of the toxicity of heteronormativity. But let's talk about heteronormativity for a minute. So that is when we are assuming that people are heterosexual and we are also assuming a lot of things that go along with that and that that is the norm and that that is what people kind of should be doing and that they should, you know, align with maybe, you know, men are strong, women are in the kitchen, men and women go on dates together and they have sex after they go on a date to the movies or whatever, right? These are just like stereotypical things that we kind of think about. That's what we're talking about. All of this stereotypes that go along, these assumptions that go along with um, heterosexual behaviors and dating scripts. Yeah, and heteronormativity affects everybody, literally every single person, um, because the script is, you know, penis and vagina sex is the kind of sex, the only kind of sex, like that is sex. Um, you know, any kind of oral thing, any, uh, you know, like anything else is not real butt sex. Stuff. Yeah, butt stuff, not <laughs> real sex. Sorry. <laughs> heteronormativity would say sorry, no, because it is a male and female people <laughs> um, very very sort of traditional ideas of what uh, bodies look like what kind of sex people have and it has normal kind of in the title <laughs> normativity and, and, and I like to just think about what normal even fucking means <laughs> it is pretty meaningless when you think about it because if you look at the diversity of people out there you look at the diversity of relationships bodies sexualities gender like culture society is just there's nothing nor like really normal mm -hmm. is there um and sex comes in all different shapes and sizes. Um, so I think breaking down narratives around masculinity, femininity, and gender can be really helpful. So thinking around, you know, what what the assumptions are in your sex life. Mm. 
what the assumptions are in your everyday life um, and just noticing them. You don't necessarily, you're not broken because you have them, but I think that the first way to kind of start to potentially work with them and potentially work with any shame that has to do with them is to start to notice them um, and, and notice what your relationship is with your gender, what the narratives of power you have are, um, how you feel about your body, how gender dysphoria and euphoria play into sex and how those are potentially affected by sort of traditional, more traditional in quotation marks, um, norms, not norms, traditional senses of sex and gender. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I hate waiting for people to ask me out. I'm like, okay, I think this person's cute. I'm going to ask them out, right? And sometimes people get really surprised because I'm a woman and I'm not supposed to ask people out. I'm supposed to wait for other people to ask me out. I'm supposed to sit around by my phone and see if someone ever texts me or calls me. If they call me, I wouldn't pick up. I'd prefer a text. Just FYI. But <laughs> I'm just supposed to sit and wait for that, right? And, um, and it's really funny to me, you know, every time I ask someone out, they seem like really shocked and surprised still to this day. And it, it like always cracks me up. I'm like, really, are you really surprised that like this, is this so far out of like the realm of what you think is normal that like, it's a shock to you, you know? Um, so I mean, it's like little things like that. And it like, it makes me mad every time someone seems shocked, you know, I'm like, why, why are you so shocked that this is something that I can actually do, that I have the skills and the confidence and the ability to like actually follow through with, you know? And so um, it's like, it's all of these little things that Shay's talking about, like observing them in our own lives, right? Like when, when we notice like our reaction to that, right? Like if, if I got mad, for example, if, someone violated what I felt like was supposed to be normal or um, kind of expected. Um, and then also noticing my reactions when I like see other people's um, reactions also, right? So I can say like, oh wow, it makes me mad that that person <laughs> thinks that's weird, right? And it's that process of identifying these things that gives us more power in the scenarios, right? When we can say like, oh, that's messed up or oh, that's not right. Then we can like have a conversation about it. We can like identify how we are feeling and start to work through that and have conversations with our friends and our partners about it. Um, yeah. Do you have any other examples? I just want to like, yeah, think of, I was yeah. just thinking about kind of the way that we, the, the ways that various people have shame that about, about some of their kind of sexual preferences mm. because they're not within sort of the heteronormative framework. So for instance, there are a lot of people who don't like penetration, mm. but they think that they should do that because that's what sex is. Mm. Um, and then there's a bit of shame around penetration and not, you know, not being able to ask for what you actually want and um, hopefully eventually someday being able to accept that that's okay. But it's okay to have those preferences that sit outside of that. And, you know, it's, it, 
it may feel uncomfortable for a while, but it's actually a really big relief once you go, oh, thank goodness. Like, oh, I don't have to do that. Mm. Like, I actually, I literally don't have to do that. And I can do the things that make me feel good. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love, I love that example. Thank you so much for helping us understand that a little more clearly. And I just also want to say that um, there is a lot of heteronormativity in things like porn and in our culture and it's really difficult to get away from it but there is a lot of like really good sort of queer erotica mm. um one of my favorite writers is named zan west um and they do really really cute stories about gender diverse and um body diversity and uh, they're just really cute um cute and sexy obviously some of them them are really sexy some of them are kind of cute like they have different relationship structures and then then there's also like queer porn um like crash pod and pink label and and stuff like that which to be honest i've used some of those just to kind of learn how to interact with my own body and to learn how to interact potentially with other trans non-binary bodies as well like obviously it's not like the tool to use but it's made me far more comfortable because Mm. i've been able to see myself Mm. in those scenarios because there are other people with bodies like that yeah in those yeah we'll put um all the links to all these things that shay's talking about in the show notes so you can explore some of them for yourself and um i mean it's really interesting that you talk about you know these queer porn as being really helpful because you know a lot of times on the show, you know, we're talking about more traditional forms of porn and um, that a lot of it can be very misguided when we use it like as a source of information. So um, I'm excited to have some like, you know, educational sources that are also, you know, um, pornographic and give us some um, ideas of things that might be helpful in our lives and sex lives specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect none of this is none of the porn is going to be perfect but i think it is helpful in seeing your own bodies um yeah just being out there yeah yeah so final tip tip number three tip number three tip number three tip Tip number three (laughs) (laughs) um pleasure learning about your own pleasure because it's not about It doesn't always have to be about an orgasm. So there are lots of different kinds of tools and and practices. And um, it don't necessarily even have to be about sex. Um, But they can be if you want them to be. Um, So staying curious, I think, about your own pleasure and the way that you're the way that you're feeling, um, for instance, just practicing touching Mm. yourself not it and it doesn't have to be like in like any masturbatory practice it could be literally touching your hand and seeing what that feels like and just it is it's kind of like that mindfulness that i touched on before um around just kind of thinking around and focusing on the sensation and whether that feels good or whether that doesn't feel good and connecting to the pleasure in sort of any way that you can in small steps and encouraging those feelings, exploring those feelings with or without partner or partners, 
I think can be really, really helpful, especially um, for people with bodies like mine, because it's difficult and confusing to figure out what feels good. Mm. Um, Because of those heteronormative narratives, because Mm. we're told these things, certain things should feel good, but they don't to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody has so many differences in, you know, what they respond to and what they like and their bodies. And yeah, I think I agree. I think we all need to spend more time understanding what we like and we don't like what we don't like. And also being able to communicate about that. Right. Like also, you know, once you understand what types of touches you like, what types of touches you don't want, then practicing, which, again, you could do just vocalizing in your own room, you could practice writing down you could ask a friend if you could try practicing but I think yeah also how are we able to tell other people those things yeah yeah so a couple of things that I'm thinking is that um basically I think when you are doing practices like this and thinking about things like this even like this sounds kind of shitty but even when you don't like it or when something when it feels bad that's information so it's kind of like always a win when you're doing these things because you're figuring out what you do and what you don't really like or what you might want might like in certain situations and it can change with different people or different times and it's like allowed to change as much as you want it to or evolve my personal um relationship with my body has been changing for several years now and even just being on things like testosterone it's definitely changed a lot of the ways that I experience pleasure so I've had to kind of re-explore myself Mm. and so it's about finding what does feel good what is actual pleasure and so finding a safer space thinking about it writing about it slowing things down trying things out and what amount of pressure feels right what kind of touch feels right and a lot of the extra, oh, and also practicing to saying stop to mm. even to yourself, um, because I think that's one of the hardest things as well, is that when we are put into a situation with someone else or where we feel like we're pushed or we should be feeling like we should be enjoying something because they're doing it, just saying, okay, slow down or, or using a kind of code word like a safe word or like yellow red green can even just verbalizing that out loud to yourself can be really helpful um and lastly i think that talking about it with partners is really important and even sort of doing things like writing sex menus together or doing um uh, pleasure mapping so sex menus are we have a whole episode about Do you? sex menus, episode 86, if you want to go back and check that out. We have a lot of ideas on how to write them. We have some templates even in the show notes. So, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I also have a template that I'm happy to share. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then pleasure mapping, which I don't know if you've heard about that, but it is getting a, a huge sheet of paper. Ooh. Um, having your partner or somebody draw with like a sharpie around your body 
onto the piece of paper. I love this. I love this. I feel like I'm back in kindergarten and I love exactly. this already. And then you or you and your partner, whatever, like you can kind of color this in. You can write words on it. You can like put red for no zones or you can like put stickers on it. You can literally do whatever you want to express where at that point in time you are with where you're like good zones and bad zones are it's kind of like that that that, um picture that you see of like a cat that you can color in where it's like always red where the belly is i have no idea what you're (laughs) talking about but uh i'm sure that most of the internet like their bellies touched is that what you're telling me (laughs) is this new information to you Um, my, cat, my cat just bites me no matter what so I, it's <laughs> my, hard to tell I relate hard because my belly is a fucking trap okay don't <laughs> touch it <laughs> um, and anyway the, I think lastly anytime you gain like new information or like about any of these things celebrate it yeah, yeah. like really like that is the queer joy yeah um is finding this information out it's it's exciting and it can be really really difficult to unpack but it's really exciting once you go oh my god like i really like that or oh my god i can communicate about this now to someone else or i know what i want this part of me to be called and i know how i might want someone else to touch it yeah yeah Yeah, I mean, that's so empowering, right? Like understanding things about yourself and and knowing them for sure. And um, and then being able to communicate it like and that's that's what we want. Right. We all want to be able to feel empowered in our bodies and to um, to feel some agency over our bodies. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we're going to take one more quick break and then I have one more question to ask Shay and we're going to get a few more tips from them. So we'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. Here we are. All right. So our last question for today is, so we've been talking a lot about advice for people with their own bodies. Um, now I want to know what advice do you have for partners of people that identify as trans, non-binary, genderqueer? I love the genderqueer phrase. I like want to say that one every time. <laughs> I love the word queer also. I love the reclamation of that. Um, so yeah, what advice do you have for people that are dating, going out? I would even say like friends and supporting them. Like give us give us some ideas of what, how to be a good um, ally, support system, partner. I think that like the real, real key is to listen and um, yeah, just really listen and communicate with with your partner and, you know, don't be that asshole who doesn't understand why they want to call, you know, their body a certain word or, Mm. you know, it's it's all about supporting them through what they're going through. Um, it, It. it's difficult because there's a lot of, I mean, a lot, I think a lot of trans non-binary people also tend to date a lot of trans non-binary people. So there's like a lot of mutual support going on. Um, and that can be, you know, really difficult at times. It's really celebratory because a lot of us, I think, date people that are kind of like us because there's a mutual understanding of what it is like um, and what the general experiences are of not having access to healthcare like other people or not having access to hormones or 
having access to things that we we want so helping to celebrate the wins helping to support when the wins seem really far away um and like i said earlier just asking about the person is like a really good support treating them like a human being yeah like it seems so obvious right (laughs) like listen to them support them um and yeah like if you are a cis person like get involved in some activism if you can or in whatever way that feels right to you um the more that people kind of speak up in support of trans lives um the better obviously and it and unfortunately people tend to listen to cis people more than they listen to us Mm. yeah i think that um that really makes a strong case for the importance of speaking up and um you know this idea of like you know cis people who are who identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth right so I would be cis because I identify as a woman and that's what I was told I was. Um, So if I can like never understand fully like what someone who is genderqueer is going through, then um, I think, you know, the support comes in where I can like be curious and like, you know, want to understand that experience as much as possible and try to support people in my life that identify in that way, but without being invasive, right? And I I really appreciate how you were talking about um, transitions earlier. And like, so I wanna think, you know, how can I be curious and like try to understand what someone's going through, but without being invasive? And like, can you can you help me think of like, examples of like what that would look like so i think just asking people how you can support them um asking people how they are what's been challenging for them is there anything you can do i think just being really present i think and kind of knowing what's going on in the political landscape of things that are that are happening in whatever country or in um and being aware of that asking people if they're okay Mm, um mm. when there's big news about stuff is i think is really important it's really important to be seen during these times and to feel seen Mm. um and to be listened to um so yeah i don't know if that yeah yeah i mean i'm just thinking also like um you know I don't want to map my experiences onto somebody else. And I'm thinking like, so if, you know, I can't understand maybe why someone wants to use a specific word for their body, but I also don't have to understand that. Right. And I think that's a big part of showing up for people is like, you don't have to understand the why of like what they're saying, but just believing that's their experience and believing like, okay, that's what you're telling me. Even if I don't, I can't understand that in my body. Like I need to understand that that's what it's like for you. And I think, um, I think that's something that a lot of people really struggle with, right? They're like, they have to like 
be able to connect it to some way in their experience. And maybe you can, like I was connecting to, you know, body image stuff. And so maybe there are aspects of it, but also I think I would just want to say to people, you don't have to understand it to, to support someone, right? You don't have to fully say like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. That doesn't have to be part of it. Yeah. And, and I think that if you do have questions around it, it's important not to burden someone with that lived experience with potentially those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so constantly having to explain to people what non-binary means or what, you know, like literally Google exists. <laughs> there are thousands of TikToks <laughs> and trans TikTok about this kind of stuff like Google it. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not it's not hard. Um there will be answers. Reddit is there are so many kind of like sub areas of support um which unfortunately are not more mainstream or used more mainstream but like Reddit is a pretty great one. Uh, there's lots of like Facebook groups. Um there's Facebook groups for allies and families and friends supporting people like join one. <laughs> Ask those questions in a place that's like you know, like crowdsourced instead of, and I'm sure that someone else has asked that question before yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So f- just find the answer somewhere else. Don't ask, you don't have to ask your friends um, unless they've explicitly said it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I love that asking permission to ask questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't. Do you mind if I ask you some questions about this or? Or do, like, please, you can tell me to Google it if you want. Yeah. yeah or you can tell great. me that you're uncomfortable answering that and that I can look for the answer somewhere else. Like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go away and, ha- and make everyone really afraid of asking <laughs> questions because asking questions is good. It's good to be curious. It's, it's good to want to have more information, but think about the information that you actually that's actually going to be useful to you. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't have to know whether trans people are intending to have surgery. You just yeah. don't need to know that. It's yeah. personal. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shay. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Me too. Um, I'm so happy that you're able to come and do an episode with us. Um, sorry, Andrew, that you missed this. Uh, but we... Um, we, we love had a you. great time without you. The tech was really art. Like the tech was not working. It was not working on today. Our side, so. um, but I'm going to put all of this information that Shay's been talking about in our show notes. Um, there's a lot of things for you to explore. And I want to remind you to check out our social media also at the sex wrap on all the platforms. You can also email us your questions. It's the sex wrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413-I-RAP it. That's wrap with a W. And um, yeah, stay in touch. We are so happy to be in your lives. And we love to hear what's going on in yours. Any last words to sign us off today, Shay? Um, my Instagram account is at Shay Queer Therapy, S-H-A-E Queer Therapy. And you can follow me there, see what I'm up to. And I'm always happy to inspire some other 
gender diverse peeps. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see y'all next. Okay. We'll hear y'all. No, you'll hear us. Well, you'll hear us next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Not me, Andrew instead. <laughs> Bye.